0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Upcoming on the roto Fantasy Football Podcast, Alan Soslowski joins me as we try to identify breakout players and how to acquire them. All next on the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Alan Sislawski. He is the most versatile man at RotoWire.com. Ready to jump in at a moment's notice to do a podcast with us? I know we're going to have Nelson Sousa today. He had some internet issues. We're going to have him next week. Don't worry, Nelson's still great. We're going to get him. But Alan's great too, uh, and Alan's going to help us now. Alan, thank you for jumping in on Us. How you doing?
2: You know, it's like in a, when you work in a where when you're a soldier on a submarine. You have the cook knows how to fire the missiles. The guy who uh, can launch the nukes could also flip the eggs. I mean, when you're on a sub like that, we call Rotowire, You have to be able to do everything.
1: Yeah, that's true. It is true. Uh, and you're good at that, too. Uh, so let's talk about what's going on. We're going to talk breakouts, but first let's hit the news of the day. Uh, there's a lot of news of the day, uh, as always, at this time of year. It's awesome. Um, we're going to start off. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we're still waiting for the hammer to come down. We have an idea it could happen by the end of the week. The Cleveland Browns are, are planning on going forging ahead as if he's still going to play this year. He's going to start Friday's preseason game in Jacksonville. So a road start for Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, it's a pretty decent landing point. Probably won't be packed. You know, won't be a ton of partisans there. Um, as far as places go for him to start, this is probably good for them. But I thought it was interesting that he's going to, they're just going to go ahead and play as assuming as if he's going to play this year.
2: Well, it looks mo- much more like he's going to be suspended for e- double-digit games or maybe even the whole season. It's not going to be six, right? I right. mean, a very minimum, I think we could assume eight, but that's being optimistic. There's been a lot of criticism that you give this guy the biggest contract in the history of the NFL, mostly guaranteed under the circumstances in which, you know, it, there's a lot of controversy. So they want to see if, if it's even going to be worth it. If he comes out there and lights it up, I mean, you know, has, you know, two drives, two touchdowns right away. Okay. All right. This was worth it. But what happens if he comes up and and just stinks it up and three and out overthrown passes, that's going to be a little bit more momentum to, Hey, was this worth it? Now I know it's preseason. I know it's only one game, but what do we do in, in football media? We love to, you know, take narratives and run with them there. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. And I think it's important for the Cleveland Browns that Deshaun Watson not only look good, but look very sharp so they could feel good about this major risk that they took.
1: Yep. I think so too. Uh, So um, it's interesting. You know, it it does change things quite a bit for their pass catchers. Uh, You know, you get, you know, get David Njoku, obviously Amari Cooper, uh, they're, they're, Fantasy balance is hanging in there. I mean, because I think it's just such a huge te- step down to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I know he he can be a caretaker, but you don't want him as a full season starter. We saw that movie before the Colts. It doesn't end well.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, if, I think what they're hoping is that he can Teddy Bridgewater them to playoff, to stay in the playoff race should Deshaun Watson come back after 10 games. I mean, if, if they can go four and six, Something like that. I mean, going seven and three is probably not in the cards for them unless, you know, they can really just dominate with the running game. I mean, uh, I just finished doing a video with Jim Coventry and we were ranking the top offensive lines, and he has Cleveland as his number two ranked offensive lines. Wow. An elite offensive line can erase a lot of mistakes. And especially when you have someone like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and everyone likes the Johnson, that's three running backs that would probably, you know, start on most teams or at least be a, a, you know, a strong committee. So if they can run the ball and maybe utilize those pass catchers that you just talked about, they just want to like stay afloat until Deshaun Watson gets there. So yeah, Jacoby Brissett's not great, but I think, with all those other assets uh, and all those other strengths, they probably could stay in in the mix. You know, I,
1: I sometimes feel Nick Chubb on the Browns is like uh, Lucy the football Charlie Brown. I mean, it's just so frustrating. He's such a good player, and we all see it, and everybody sees it, even the Browns see it, but it just they don't give him the the volume that we want.
2: I mean, he still is a every week starter. Uh, that you're happy to have. I mean, when you do your value meter, and for those who who don't know about Jess Value Meter, new to the podcast, every week he ranks every player for the season. So instead of asking start-sick questions, you could just go to his value meter, which is on rotowire.com, and you could see who to start. When you do your value meter every week, Nick Chubb is never going to fall out of your top 15 running backs. I don't care what the matchup is, what injuries there are. If Nick Chubb is starting, he's a top 15 running back. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, I'd say if he's like ne- dealing with a nagging groin injury like he was last year, then I might I might be a little bit more circumspect. But that's uh, that's about the scenario that it takes is a questionable heading into the week. Not sure if he's going to play sort of thing or if he's going to be limited
2: uh, leg injury.
1: You know, that that's the thing that holds him back. Other than that. Yeah, I agree.
2: So there's value in that. So you're not mm-hmm. having to fight anybody to take Nick Chubb. In fact, he's a player that. He's, he's like a boring pick, right? I mean, we hear that a lot. Like Travis Etienne is an exciting pick. But right. if we were to make a bet right now, who's going to have more fantasy points this year? A smart better would take Nick Chubb. He's done it over and over and over again. He's got the goal line equity. And, you know, Travis Etienne, we haven't seen doing an NFL field. So when you talk about someone like Nick Chubb, it's, you know, it's the Lucy in the football. That's a great analogy because Nick Chubb has the talent to be a top six fantasy football pick. But... You don't have to pay. I mean, I think uh, right. when you talked to Chris List the other day, didn't he get him in the third round? I mean, that's how far he falls. Not just third
1: it. round, but end of the third round. So um, that's the
2: fourth round almost.
1: Right. It was pick 36. It was, on the, it was on the turn. Now, I think that's an anomaly. And if you look at ADP, uh, you'll see that that doesn't frequently happen. In fact, uh, he, he's 24 in average draft position, a range of 11 to 40. When I did the beach Jeff Erickson last week, I was picking second and 23rd and he was gone by the 23rd pick. So you can see that there is a lot of times when he doesn't quite make it to you. I, I, I would have been happy to take him because especially because I started off with Justin Jefferson as my 1.2, you know, I don't, you know, me, I'm not a McCaffrey guy. Uh, so I was actually eyeing Chubb as a, as a target didn't happen, but that's fine. Uh, that means I got another receiver. Instead I got Mike Evans instead.
2: Nick I Chubb. know you
1: like Mike Evans.
2: Yeah, of course. I love Mike Evans. I mean, there's been a little bit of um, he's been dropping a little bit because of, you know, he had a little bit of an injury and there's been a little, you know, now I think that was the
1: day before that injury, though, too, by the way, mm, there you so go. That I mean, was always fun to see that. And you're like Mike Evans left with an injury. Oh, God. What is OK? He, I know. Seems like he's day to day. It seems like he's OK. All right.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, that dropped him to the third round. I looked at some of the NFFC boards. I mean, that's what I do at night. I When I'm going to sleep, the last thing I do is check with Tom and Greg Post, and I love to see the drafts that popped off because, you know, I have my NFFC draft coming up in uh, a couple weeks, and I want to see where guys are going. And Mike Evans went from being, like, pick 15 to pick 18 to pick 20, and he's like, you know. 27 I think he dropped right. to the other day so I'm still taking him I mean you know with Tom Brady and I don't want to get I want to shift back to the Cleveland Browns because we were on a good a good topic right there uh but it's 12 touchdowns and 13 touchdowns in back-to-back years I mean he is he's got the upside for 15 or more especially with no Gronk so I, I like seeing that type of uh, drop but I was going to say with Nick Chubb what he really represents is the last of the sure thing running backs. After Dick Chubb at RB14 on the NFFC, I just pulled the last four or five days, it gets into these upside guys, or guys that have right. some serious questions and you could see totally cratering. Nick Chubb is too big to fail. His floor is high. Doesn't have that super high upside, but that's baked into the late second round.
1: Javier G asked, Chubb over Swift, Kamara, or Barkley? Answer is... No on Swift and Barkley Camara, I p- still have a little bit behind, but that's only because that's accounting for Kamara perhaps having still the the specter of a, a, a suspension hanging over him. Somehow we've landed on six is the likely number, but that we're we're all spitballing on that too. By the way, that's there's no like edict saying we can't wait to hand him a six game suspension. That's just the number of people have kind of arrived at. But it could be a whole year. It could be nothing. Could be not something next year. We don't know. So. That's the only reason why I'm a little more circumspect about that. But actually, you know, Barkley versus Chubb is, you know, it's, that's a upside versus certainty call there. I mean, Barkley has 1.1 upside. Chubb probably doesn't. But Barkley also has the floor is lava floor. I mean, and that, that that's the problem.
2: You don't have to make that choice because Barkley in pro drafts is now going in the 10th pick, right? I mean, yeah, he's going, yeah. so you don't have to make
1: 14. So usually he's long gone. If you're sitting where I was, yeah, you're not going to get Barkley. But if you do have that choice, if you do, I mean, it's all about your style of drafting. My style of drafting is I'm going to go Chubb over Barkley probably still, mm-hmm. um, but it's close.
2: Yeah, uh, it's Bark. Like To answer the question, it's yes, yes, and yes for me. Alvin Kamara, what I'm doing is I- I'm not even baking in the suspension for this year anymore, or I'm even calling it where if I thought it was like almost certain, I thought I was like 75%, I'm down to like there's like a one in 10 chance that it could happen, like a 10%. And that's, you know, everyone's going to have to make their own guess. The worst case scenario is that it happens right when the playoffs hit, right? For the fantasy playoffs. Like it happens mm-hmm. later in the season. Then it's like, oh my God. But I just think with Jameis Winston, though, you have to change your expectations for Alvin Kamara he's no longer that top five overall pick that's going to get 80 catches I mean with J- with Jameis Winston who's never really I don't remember him really dumping off to the running back and now Sean Payton it's very rare that you had a, a the, the, an all-time head coach and an all-time dump off QB in Drew Brees leave in the same era I think it's more realistic to say like 50 catches for Alvin Kamara um, you know it's it's just a different offense so a second round pick I'm good with. I just don't think he's he's worth a top five. And no one's taking him there. I'm just saying is like I'm ready to put him back into the second round.
1: Counter-arguments, you know, Taysom Hill's not going to be the quarterback anymore. Right? Some of that was was kind of what is eating away at Kamara's value. That's not going to happen anymore. He is a tight end now and an injured one at that. Um, So I'm not really worried about that. his, yeah, Jake- his, his, his the running back, Mark Ingram doesn't scare me. I mean, he, he's, yes, he was once a saint and once was good. He's also once was many things. Uh, I'm not really that worried about that. Uh, one more follow-up on Kamara. You know, Julia asked that you took Zeke over Kamara. Now, we got to re- uh, emphasize this was in July. This was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe. Um, that was before Kamara's latest hearing got was pushed back 60 days. Uh, I think that's probably why... Camara fell, and why you passed over? You would take him over Zeke, Rick. I I know you're Mr. Zeke, but you'd still take Camara over Zeke, right?
2: Yes, I'm ready to put uh, I'm ready to put Alvin Kamara into the second round. And again, my stance on Zeke is not that I think Zeke is going to be a top three running back. It's that there's no way he can miss his ADP at pick thirty three. It's it's literally you're drafting it at the. That's my stance. You're just drafting him at his absolute floor. It's only upside. That's my stance on Zeke.
1: Yeah, and his, by the way, in the NFFC, his ADP is lower than that. It's 41 now. There you go. This is from August 1st on, by the way, just so you know. Uh, so, you know, it's not just, you know, Camara that's over him now. It's, you know, James Conner, Cam Akers, Brees Hall is over him. We'll talk Brees Hall momentarily. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, let's talk Brees Hall now because this was, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to do another set of rankings tonight. I do it every Wednesday night, goes live on RotoWire wire PPR rankings. We just did the, uh, although it's kind of interesting, we also did the composite ratings just uh, yesterday that went up. So I won't have too many changes to make. But I was low man on Brees Hall. I still am a little bit um, because I think that there's two things that bother me. Uh, one is Michael Carter exists. He li- He's a carbon-based form of life that's still living, breathing on the team, on the Jets. He, he's, and he's good. He's good. They drafted him last year. Uh, and the second is they just lost Mekhi Becton. Uh, and I think that's a big mm-hmm. loss. Their offensive line wasn't great. They tried to address it the offseason. They brought in the guard from uh, the Niners. They uh, Becton was gonna be right tackle, uh, Fant was gonna be left tackle. Now they're out of alignment. Uh, they, their right tackle is gone for the season. Uh, and I think that's a big loss for the Jets.
2: Here was my argument. So, just to get everyone up to speed, Jeff had Brees Hall ranked around 70 overall. So, what does that put him in like the late sixth round, Jeff? Something like that for you? Let's uh, yeah, something man. like that. Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, and I, but in just as a point of reference, though, yes, I, ha, I Brees Hall, I had at seventy overall, which right, I, so, I think that was too low, I, and his I'll ADP is rapidly, forty. His ADP you know, is like
2: forty-five, just to yeah. kind of give context.
1: And I try to not look at ADP when I'm doing my rankings. I, I mean, I do it just if, if for no other reason, just to make sure I'm not forgetting anybody, or I'm not like so wildly off. But I kind of was wildly off here. But for what it's worth, Brees Hall, I, I put in at 60. I moved him up 10. We have a range of 27 to 60, building up four of us, just four people. That's just fantasy. That's the beauty of fantasy football right there, that you can have such a wide range on four people that spend a lot of time doing rankings and thinking about it there.
2: Yeah, here here was my um, – when I texted you the other night and I said, hey, let's take a look at Brees Hall, not because you shouldn't be there, but it's just so out of line with um, with, with consensus. And, again, it's okay mm-hmm. to be out of line with consensus. I don't think that's an issue at all. I mean, you yeah. have to put your rankings how you want them. But I here's – normally when you get a player that's drafted in the top 50 of the real NFL draft, a running back specifically, that's right. basically like a first-round pick. This guy's going to play. Usually that running back is goes in the first round if he's a workhorse or the second round if there's some, you know, like you said, Michael Carter. We have Brees, the fantasy ADP community has uh, Brees Hall in the fourth round. So I guess the argument, for the, his ADP is that it's already baked in. So I've been on podcasts and the roto podcast saying Brees Hall is the worst pick in the fourth round. And then I've made it a couple of times. So I must not really think that. I guess it's really Charlton. a position. I know it's just, you know, what it is. It's that you, you've said this so many times your rankings really show up when you're in a draft that means something to you. I mean, that's when they actually show up. You battle
1: test your rankings. Absolutely.
2: That is a great way to put it. You battle test your rankings, right? We'll see what you're made of when the bullets start for the proverbial bullets start flying. So Brees Hall, uh, I mean, they drafted him. uh, He's basically comparable to Jonathan Taylor with his metrics. I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm not saying he is Jonathan Taylor, but all the warts of the, and there's a lot of jets bias with him. I mean, Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's the Jets." I mean, when Mackay Becton went, when the news hit the other day, m- myself, who's a Jet fan, am my other Jet, fan? I said, "I can't believe this. It's already starting." So it's happening. I, yeah. yeah,
1: it's happening. Dak Wilson you, looks terrible.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's starting already. So I guess really what I'm saying is that he uh, RB one in a draft class is usually is already being discounted. You're pushing him back more. I think you're 60. If you don't want him, the even 60 is probably even late. Uh, right. Because I'm looking
1: since August first, max pick is 54. I don't hate Breed's Hall. In right. fact, and he went to he, my high school. Oh, he did. Which Northwest the... High School. Well, known fact uh, that I went there. I mean, everybody knows that he went there because he's he's. Uh, I'm just a person that talks about football. He actually plays football. So
2: There you go. But <laughs> but he was he was good. And he, he listen. He checked all of the boxes. Cliche alert. Right. He he the yeah. 40 time was good. The athleticism was good. The college production was there. He was the first running back off the board. How are the hands? The hands, I mean, he catches footballs. I mean, he is, he's got, he's a plus. He can do it all. Now, like you said, you identified what I think is the biggest obstacle. It's that Michael Carter was drafted in the fourth round. So normally we don't worry about that too much. But the Jets said they would have taken him in the beginning of the third round. They just didn't have to. I mean, they thought of him. And Michael Carter actually outproduced rushing, not passing, rushing Javante Williams their last year at North Carolina. He's a good player. I, you know, I said when you take Brees Hall in the fourth round, just be prepared that Michael Carter might outtouch him in September until Brees Hall proves that he belongs on an NFL field. So I think that your skepticism and your low ranking of Brees Hall is appropriate. I just was bringing your attention to the ADP gap. I didn't even suggest you move it. Yeah.
1: And I, I do appreciate, though, it, sometimes we have blind spots. Uh, and I, I think I had one with him. Uh, you you kind of you mentioned uh, another situation, Javante Williams. He is another person that there are a lot of drafters out there that love themselves from Javante Williams. And the news is going to push it. The recent news might push him up even farther. Uh, and that is Melvin Gordon has a foot injury. Uh, you know, he it may not be too serious. We'll see. He was out with a foot injury in today's practice. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said he wasn't worried. Something needs to be managed during training camp. I don't know about you. I don't want a running back being managed in training camp uh, unless, it, you know, unless he's a, I mean, he is an established veteran. That's one thing going, he's got going for him. But I mean, I, it, it does encourage me to take that Javante Williams second round leap. I mean, mid, mid second round, I, you can still get him. Like I take Javante Williams over Nick Chubb. Is that crazy?
2: No, not at all. And by the way, just a, a footnote on Brees Hall. I looked it up while you were uh, doing that that Javante introduction. There, thirty six catches his last year at Iowa State. I mean, anything over yeah. twenty means he's a good pass catcher. So, for sure. Foot, footnote: um, Javante Williams has gone on a crazy ADP roller coaster ride over the last two weeks, right? I mean, a couple of days ago, a blurb came out that both. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were going to be on a pitch count. Nobody wants to hear that, right? No, I mean, no, right. That basically means that Javante Williams. I guess you take him in the third round. But Melvin Gordon, he was ADP was fine it, when draft season started. Before Javante Williams was, uh, sorry, before Melvin Gordon was signed, Javante was going routinely at pick eight, pick seven, and then Melvin Gordon was signed, and he fell to the third round. Now, Melvin Gordon, let's remember he's an older running back, right? Uh, yep. He's, he's, it's not a spring chicken anymore as much as, you know, we'd like to think he's iron man. So I think Javante Williams is a swing for the fences upside pick. Just knowing though, that, you know, Melvin Gordon is there. If you get him in the third, it's a smash, but this news will certainly bring him up. And if you're going to try to win the league, we talk about league winning picks, another cliche, mark it down. Um, you, you already mentioned how uh, Nick Chubb has capped upside. Javante doesn't. He literally has a w- uh, number one overall running back upside, but you know, there's going to be Even- data. David- Chubb
1: doesn't, though. I mean, if if Kareem Hunt walks the earth, I mean, Chubb probably has top five upside, right? Kareem Hunt threatened to walk the earth.
2: Yeah, and by the way, Kareem Hunt, I don't think that saga is over either. So I I don't want to crisscross our topics here, but yeah, let's go
1: for it. Cross those streams.
2: Yeah, he could. I mean, if there's a running back injury on a on a contender, he's the. I mean, they don't lose anything by trading him, and if they can get some value, I mean, you know, people are talking about like, oh, he could go to the Kansas City Chiefs. He can go to this team. He can go to a team that already has a good running back, Kareem Hunt. They could trade him to a team like the Chargers, Austin Eckler, and Kareem Hunt. That would stink for fantasy, but. This is a team that's pushing all in now. And Austin Eckler said he wants a running back that he can help, you know, that can help work, uh, share the workload. Don't yep. write that off. That's a team like that could go get Kareem Hunt. And then your Nick Chubb pick is just it's through the roof. I mean, he's a top five pick in fantasy with or without Deshaun Watson.
1: Indeed. I got one more new situation I want to talk about before we start talking breakouts. But before we do that, let's uh, hear from our Blue Wire Network sponsors.
3: Are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's only a kick,
2: a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: All right. Thank you. We All of our uh, podcasts, Rotowire podcasts, are hosted on the Blue Wire Network. We thank them for their hosting uh, and we insert some ads as, as part of our thanks. And so there. Thanks for, thanks for indulging us. All right. Darren Waller, has not been seen in practice for like nine days now. And it's always undisclosed reasons. However, last night he was spotted at a Las Vegas Aces minor league baseball game. And he said, I'm straight man, all is well. Uh, What does this even mean? I mean, the right. I know you don't have to say any reason why a player isn't practicing right now. Is this a contract situation or is there an actual injury?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of narrative and rumors around Darren Waller. What it means is that he's not on the – this is not good, right? You don't want this. Darren Waller was already a player that we, you know, last year failed to meet expectations of fantasy managers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he he had one monster week, and you're like, oh, Darren Waller was a pick uh, that I just missed out on, and then it wasn't good. And now you add the biggest target hog in the NFL with Devontae Adams. I was already not interested in Darren Waller. Uh, this isn't good. It, it, because if, it, if it's an injury you don't want it if it's not an injury there's you know there's discontent so either i have i think in the 72 drafts the best ball drafts i've done this off season i think i have zero darren Waller. it's just not a wow. player i'm taking in the fifth round i mean in those leagues where you, you get double ppr i play in some of those dynasty leagues i have taken him because mm-hmm. you know i mean it does have the catch-up side but i i wouldn't just I'm crossing him off my list. Where he goes in the if he falls to the sixth round, maybe drips into the seventh. Of co- of course, you're going to be interested, right? But I, I just I'm going to let somebody else take him.
1: George Kittle's going ahead of him now in the NFFC. That's actually a change. Waller was like you know for a while the number three. Now he's the number five, uh, and it's sinking like a stone. Uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I'm I'm pretty worried uh, about him. I I don't have any Waller yet. I'm not against early tight ends, mind you. I'll take you know, I'll take Kelsey like mid-second if he gets to that. Um, I, I think there's value there. I'll take Andrews somewhere in the third. I'll take Kyle Pitts in the third. I did take Kyle Pitts in the third in the Beach F. Erickson draft last week in the RotoWire Online Championship at the NFFC. I, I think there's points where that it's there's value in it. But I often wait on tight
2: ends. I'm almost never taking Waller, though. I haven't yet. I yet, te- you know, it's funny. It's there- how you handle tight end and quarterback in a single quarterback league really is what draft strategy is nowadays. Everyone knows that you take a lot of running backs and a lot of wide receivers, and some mm-hmm. people go zero running back. Some people go, you know, heavy running back and, you know, just get middle round. Ra- where do you take your quarterback? Where do you take your tight end? I found myself landing on the the TJ Hawkinson and Zach Ertz in round 7 or 9. Those seem to be when I don't like the running back or receiver options. It's, you know, it, you're never getting a good value on a tight end. You're always like, "Yeah, I'm passing on players that are better." But Zach Ertz po- is good value.
1: Every single time, Zach Ertz is good value.
2: That's why I've been landing on him, because he goes yeah. in the ninth round, right? I mean, you know, the, the downside of Zach Ertz is, oh, DeAndre Hopkins. What happens when he comes back? I mean, it's a totally different player. It's a different position. Zach Ertz is like a – it's a tight end that even if he has down weeks, you're never scared to start him.
1: For the most part, I try to either go early quarterback or early tight end, not both. The fantasy index draft, which is a best ball one, I tied in Andrews and Lamar together, um, but I found myself scrambling. I felt tr- felt myself trying to catch up on other positions. I mean, when you do that, you're out of alignment. You're trying to catch up on either running back or wide receiver. I'm more comfortable trying to catch up on running back, to be honest. Catching up on a wide receiver, I feel is like is, is a hell, is hell. I don't enjoy doing it at all. I hate being behind in wide receiver.
2: Well, the reason is is that in best ball, when you're scrambling a wide receiver, it's not as bad because that Taquan Thornton you got in the last round, when he has his week of three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, it just gets inserted into your lineup in a you know a home league, a managed Managed league, league. yeah, 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 managed league. I mean, you if uh, if a mid range wide receiver, Marquez Valdez Scantling is your wide receiver three, and he gets he has one for 23. You can't even play him the next week when he goes off on your bench. That's what the merit of pushing up the wide receivers are because if Justin Jefferson, if A.J. Brown, of, uh, of Allen Robinson have one or two bad weeks. You don't, you're just putting him in your lineup, and the waiver wire is the other part of it. Running backs emerge on the waiver wire. It's very rare that Victor Cruz or who was the guy in the Cowboys that emerged that one year? Uh, Miles Austin. He became a waiver wire you know, mm-hmm. second-round receiver, so very rare that those guys emerge.
1: Brandon Lloyd is the all-time waiver wire king that guy mm-hmm. uh, that w- that was such a crazy year you maybe maybe you got him as like your 7th receiver in a draft but i mean that for the most part he was a waiver wire guy and he was huge that year but it, it, it's it's so infrequent you're right uh and it's because running back is a is a opportunity position wide receiver is you either have the skills or you don't um and you find yourself chasing tail like you find yourself chasing last year's stat last week's stats all the time with either starts or pickups it, it's it's really a brutal Gruesome way to go.
2: Just to give the listeners perspective on who Brandon Lloyd was, if you haven't been playing fantasy for like 10 years, it would be like if Devontae Parker this year led the league in receiving and in touchdowns. Like was the if Devontae Parker became the number one overall wide receiver, that's the equivalent to what Jeff is talking about when Brandon Lloyd, like a player that had been in the league, that had some upside and never really kind of hit, and then was the number one wide receiver in fantasy or pretty close to it. 2009, Brandon Lloyd ha- only played in two games. He had eight
1: catches for 117 yards with the Bears.
2: It's like Devontae in, Parker. <laughs> in
1: 2009, he, in, in, in two, excuse me, in 2010, he, and he did that with the Broncos, excuse me, the Bears the year before that, in 2018, he went 26 for 364 in two touchdowns. In 2010 with the Broncos, 77 catches. Fourteen hundred and forty-eight yards, Allen. I mean, it was it was how many, nuts. How many touchdowns and was it? And eleven it? touchdowns. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that's a league winner right there. If you want to talk about league winner, that's it. Now, if you you had to been been starting him, is the only the only fallback to that. But uh, yeah, it, it's definitely one of those. though, that was it was, you know, it, it was the miracle. You got you got your miracle.
2: Now move on. Uh, but and then and next week, the following year was a
1: Bautista in baseball, and he was yeah. actually pretty good then too, but not as good.
2: And the following year, people were taking Brandon Lloyd in the third round, and he went back to being, you know, it was like Cinderella after midnight. It went back to being just, you know, kind of.
1: He had uh, he went seventy for nine sixty six. So you didn't completely turn into a pumpkin. He still got you five touchdowns, but he he split between Denver and St. Louis that
2: year. Um, But it wasn't a third round pick. That's a guy that you take in like the eighth round, ninth round.
1: He's the third receiver, is what he was. Right, exactly.
2: And I would like to see, you know, I would like to see how the 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 production was distributed was it all in like three games i mean i i'd have to look at it but i remember drafting him that year i was the donkey in my league that like reached on the two three turn to take him and i was like victory lapping and then it was just like oh i'm not good at fantasy yet like i'm telling you i i made all the mistakes playing fantasy when i first started in the first few years that everyone makes i took peyton manning at at the at the fifth overall pick i mean we all do it you know Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I took an
1: early defense one time, like seventh round. Like, what are you
2: doing? The Ravens' defense, right? Like a you know uh, push them up. There was
1: a Broncos team that had. Oh, a, okay, this is like twenty five years ago, twenty eight years ago. So it was a long time ago, but.
2: Uh, It was bad. People Uh, did that though. People did do that. They took like the Ravens all to the Ray Lewis Ravens defense in like round six. Sometimes that's Troy Aikman
1: in the second round because his team always won. Yeah. I mean, but he 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 didn't have volume and he didn't run (laughs) himself. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, one more news item. I lied. We got one more. I wanted to talk about before we uh, go on to breakout guys. Uh, And that is, uh, is um, Kadarius Tony. He's a guy that many people are pegging as a, a breakout guy. Hurt his hamstring today, appears to hurt his hamstring today. Uh, it's a little nebulous on the note on him, uh, because it's just kind of coming out. It's a possible hamstring injury, C- appeared to be favoring it, according to Daryl Slater, New Jersey.com. Um, it's fourth practice, fourth limited out of 11 during training camp. Um, this one, and he, he was already being limited. That was the point, but this was an unplanned limited one, perhaps. So, uh, you know he's had some moments in training camp, and he's had other moments. I know a lot of people kind of like him as a breakout guy. Maybe it's because I did bo- uh, broadcast with List for so many uh, so many years that I reflexively <laughs> dismiss anything positive said about the Giants.
2: So I don't have any Kadarius Tony at all. Yeah, one of my favorite things that you guys used to talk about in your podcast was it's not the size of the sample that matters when the magnitude is so big. What we saw, everyone saw it, like Kadarius Tony in those games where he went nuclear, just looked different. He just mm-hmm. looked like a different player, and that's going to keep his ADP right where it is. Everyone sees the upside, right? All of the risk is mostly baked in. I know in the NFFC, I, you know, I was on our Sunday serious show. I, you know, I thought he was still going in the seventh, eighth round just because I don't draft him. But when I took a closer look, the professional drafters are taking him in round six. Like, yeah, they are. You know, so they're squeezing a little bit of the value out of it. Listen, when you draft Kadarius Tony, just understand. I mean, it's he's one of those players that. It's, it looks like he could be marred by injuries. I mean, based on what we've seen so far, a player's injury prone until they're not right. But the upside is so tantalizing. It's so juicy that you could easily see him as one of the players that takes that mega leap and it ends up in the second round next year. But, you know, just understand what you're getting. It's going to be a player that has those type of days and risks.
1: My favorite meaningless anecdote about uh, Kadarius Tony is that Urban Meyer was upset when the Giants drafted Tony ahead of like ahead of everybody's expectations in the draft too. And at, at the time that was used as validation for the pick, by the way, it wasn't a critique of the pick. It was a validation for the pick that, see even Urban Meyer wanted him. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but yeah, that was the
2: first, that was the first red flag, by the way, apparently
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. there are so many others every team is like Alabama out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're pros. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Um, All right. Let's talk breakout players. Before we do that, I got a note from our friend, the dynasty owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Alan does. I know that. Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running running an actual franchise. Dynasty owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have to com- you will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at dynastyowner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R O T O 5 to receive $5 off any new team. I will say the one thing that is a little bit different than the NFL about realism is Dynasty Owner actually adheres to the salary cap whereas the NFL <laughs> is just a mirage
2: so it is so crazy because you know the more I learn about the salary cap because I do want to become a salary cap expert, I think it is yeah, fascinating who it's, right yeah. i mean it's just well because it, it's nowadays you get a better understanding of how contracts work and then it does help you in dynasty when you're trying, you know when you're trying to project players how long they're insulated for I mean all the time you see like these contracts are five years eighty million dollars but like is guaranteed and after a year and two they can get out of it it's it's very interesting the uh, I just, what the cap thing that I learned the uh, recently was that they only have to get to a certain percentage of the cap over three years so it's like even if they're under cap under cap that's okay as long as they get to i think the number is like 85 or 90 percent. i forget the exact Mm -hmm. number but over those three seasons
1: yeah it's pretty wild there so Mm uh and there's so many little things that you don't learn uh that you learn after the fact that you don't know Uh, it's kind of crazy all right breakout players alan i need you to define what is a breakout player uh before we uh, go any farther what, how do you define what a breakout player is?
2: Yeah, I think that there's a, there's a few different ways to think about a breakout player. It's a player that's really ready to take that next step and move up a tier. So, for example, if you're talking about you know some of the guys that we're gonna that we're gonna mention in the tenth round, that could be th- uh, players that go if we redrafted in like week four, like in the third round, that's a breakout. If you talk about, there's gonna be players that we mention that are getting drafted at their ceiling that probably haven't done it yet, but if they deliver on that, and I don't want to mention any names yet, that's know, a breakout. I so I think, <laughs> so I think it's my definition. The way I see it is a player. Who really jumps up at least one tier, but a true breakout is someone that goes up two or three tiers. Okay, very cool. All right, so how do we identify these guys? So I have uh, a tried and true tactic, and again, when it it works most of the time is that if there's a player that we liked a lot, especially a rookie or a second year player that hasn't done it yet, and they had a slow start to their year, what I try to do is zero in on the last six or seven weeks, or maybe like post by the year before. So again, just that we'll name those players, but I like to look at the previous year's production, not total production, but mm-hmm. how did they finish the season? What are they doing moving into the next season? And obviously if they have a new quarterback, if team context has changed, if the offensive system changed. So those are a few of the tactics I use to try to identify my breakouts. How about you? What are some of the things that you like to do to use as indicators?
1: I'd like to see what the professional drafters are doing and then just follow along. No, um, I mean, that's a
2: good way to do it.
1: (laughs) Honestly, it's a proxy. Um, If you see guys that are just helium guys, but – you can run into some problems with that too. I I'm old enough to remember Marquez Calloway going in the fourth round of my NFFC primetime draft last year. So um, yeah, there, there's, there's problems with that method to say the least. Uh, I mean, you're looking to see, I mean, it, the more you watch football, you can see those plays that just jump off the page. Uh, the more you read about players, you can see that too. I mean, let's face it. Most of us don't have a trained eye. We think we do. We're not scouts. I mean, you know, there are some people that are really good at breaking down film. Christopher Harris, Brett Coleman; those are two guys that I, I mm. follow a lot. That do that. Matt Harmon's another one that's really good. Um, and, I, and I, I watch what they do. And you know, our, on our side, Mario Puig. I, when Mario speaks, I listen. When he yeah. talked up Lamar Jackson in the draft, that, that caught my, caught my mind there. Um, so yeah, I, I do pay attention to those. You know, to our community as well. Yeah. Um, I look for opportunities. I look for changing coaches. Uh, I look for, you know, changing personnel and just a player that's going to step up into that next opportunity. I think that matters too. Um, let's talk uh, about some of our guys. Uh, first of all, we kind of classified it when we were like talking ahead of time, we were going to do a short little video. Uh, and instead we're going to do this. Um, yeah. Like maybe have an obvious guy, maybe, a, maybe like a lot of people know, but maybe not. And then maybe a not so obvious guy. Um, I'll start. I like Rashad Bateman. I've been on the record for that one for a while. I mean, I think the way he turned heads in OTAs in minicamp last year as a rookie before he got hurt was really telling to me. I saw some moments out there on the field last year after he came back from his horrible groin injury. He had other things where he messed up. He caused one interception. His hands might need some work. But you know what? All the time, I hear about this all the time. Someone has some drops issues. Unless you're Evan Ingram, you can usually overcome them. Uh, you know, we all got the discount on Jamar Chase because, oh, the ball's a different size, it doesn't have a stripe on it. Blah blah blah. You know, he's such a bangle. Um, man, what, what a windfall that was! Uh, you know, it's hard to find that Traylon Burks could be that guy this year, by the way. Uh, lining up in the wrong spot has asthma. You know, okay, fine. Does he get open? Are they going after him? Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I think I'll get some Traylon Burks still. Uh, not ahead of my boy Alave or ahead of Drake London, but maybe in that next year.
2: We were talking about Bateman as a breakout and you know, that's, that is such, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. It's not just because Bateman was, has the draft pedigree. was a first round pick, but the Ravens need him to be good. They traded mm-hmm. away Hollywood Brown, right? I mean, Hollywood Brown did things that were good for NFL football teams besides dropping the ball three times in one game. I mean, he was, he was a feel, he was able to uh, get behind the defense and overall, I think he was a pretty good, I, I still think he's a good player. Uh, other than Mark Andrews, you know, the, the guys that are going to be on the field as pass catchers, Devin Duvernay, maybe James Prochet. Those guys are miscast. I don't think any, but that's a secret. John McKechnie, our guy
1: who's, who follows the Ravens closely. He's talking up Prochet a little bit. And I, he's not the only person I've heard that by the way.
2: And again, fine. Sure. They're, But I would say that they are probably, if I'm just going to, you know, put probabilities on it, they're probably more like a number three wide receiver on most teams. Again, if we see, if Prochet has a major breakout and John McKegney spotted something, like, you know, I'll, I'll definitely listen to our guys. I mean, there's no one better at this stuff than, than John and Mario and our RotoWire guys. And, but Mm -hmm. it's, it was, it's, it's not year one for Prochet. Like we've, he's been at the Ravens on the team for a few years and he hasn't done it yet. All I'm saying is that this is more like, That it's Rashad Bateman time. I mean, there was a great quote when Hollywood was traded, and Rashad Bateman was saying, like, it's my time. Like, I got this. I understand what this trade means. So Mark Andrews, I mean, it's you know, everyone knows that he's gonna be Lamar Jackson's preferred target, but Bateman, he's kind of like an athletic Keenan Allen, you know? I mean, yeah. So it's not just that he, he's the Ravens want need him to be good. I think it's a perfectly good pick as a bit. I would be shocked if Bateman uh, doesn't reach his ADP of like the fifth round.
1: Yeah, Bateman's my guy, but he's everybody's guy is what I'm starting to find though too. He's climbing. I saw him go at 47 in a draft last week. So Chris Vaccaro, very you know veteran
2: player, uh, went
1: and took him there too. So okay,
2: who's your Obvious
1: breakout player,
2: yeah. The obvious breakout player has got to be CD Lamb. And you say, Wait a second, isn't CeeDee Lamb good already? He finishes like wide receiver like 18 or 17 last year. It wasn't like he, he finished as a top five wide receiver, he's going mm-hmm. as wide receiver four or five in a lot of sharp drafts. I've seen him go fifth overall in an online draft. I mean, that is to me, that's you've lost your mind basically you get him on the one, two turn. If you want to take him at pick 10, it's still aggressive, but you're paying for what you think is going to happen. But I think it's going to happen. I mean, everyone likes Dak Prescott is an elite real NFL quarterback. And you know, if you're trying to divide up the targets, it's hard not to pencil CD lamb in for 140. If things go bad, right? I mean, and if things right. go well, it's like 170. So it's an obvious breakout, but we're, we're starting with our obvious calls and CD lamb seems like, a player that we're going to be taking in the first round for the next half decade.
1: Another example of an obvious one would be uh, Travis Etienne or Kyle Pitts. Everybody loves those guys. They're going higher than what their projection uh, production suggests, or in the case of Etienne, didn't play at all. Uh, but everybody sees it coming. Everybody's on it. You know what? Sometimes everybody's right, and. I yeah. think in both cases, or I think you can make it. I think for Pitts, I'm even more comfortable than I am at ETN at price. Uh, ETN, I mean, you got James Robinson to deal with. You have, you know, Jacksonville. We don't know if they're going to be how much better they're going to be. I could see there's, there would be some concern there. Pitts, I mean, they're going to throw it to him in the end zone this it's, year. That was just me. such
2: an anomaly. I don't know. It's like uh, Mariota to the Pitts. What could go wrong, right? It's I mean, yeah, Mariota. To- I'm
1: sure something could go wrong, but come <laughs> on, he, if you look at what he did. You know, yardage wise, cash wise, I mean, it's off the charts and accounting for age. I, he's a generational player.
2: I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with Pitts. I, I understand this. I said this in one of our videos that we did together. I'm scared to draft Kyle Pitts in the third round and I'm scared not to draft Kyle Pitts in the mm-hmm. third round. And it's, it's not that I don't agree with everything you said. And you know what? We could be talking about Kyle Pitts as the one, po- if he reaches his ceiling. We could be talking about a tight end at the one point one next year. If he, let's just say he does the fifteen hundred yards and sixteen touchdowns, and it's ninety four catches. You're doing it from the
1: tight end spot. Yep, yep, yep.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like he, he will be in that one one overall conversation next year. And some people will do it and forget it in the you know in the tight end premium formats. I mean, it's like going to be a, an easy smash, but when you are taking him in round three, you are foregoing a very good position player. And it's that. I mean, if he had wide receiver eligibility, it would be a no brainer, but no, it wouldn't actually. I mean, well, because, okay.
1: If they've switched him to wide receiver would be a brainer. It would, it would hurt. Uh, It hit us in the brain because Mm. there's, he, he doesn't stand out among other wide receivers. I
2: meant to be a duel, by the way, that was my,
1: I I, I picked up on that after I said that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're gonna let's face it.
2: When are you not going to use him at a tight end?
1: All right. Are you gonna? Oh, I'm gonna draft Waller too. No. I'm right. Not no, that's a good
2: point. It would be if yeah. he was a wide. It was like if they gave um, Devontae Adams tight end eligibility. That's yeah. where. Yes, I got. I, I actually was, did it. Yeah. Yeah. It I was sense.
1: thrilled to get picked. Uh, Pitts at pick 35 in the Beach F. Erickson draft last week. That was one of the few picks I thought was like, yes, nailed it. Uh, I mean, now I felt pretty good about the draft, but that was one where I'm like, I can't believe I was able to get him there. And every time someone else takes him. I feel a little bit of remorse, a little regret that I didn't I'm not the guy getting him. And then I take a wide receiver and wait till tight end until round nine or ten anyhow. But um in this particular case, I I I I I will reach for pits all the time.
2: Yeah, no, I, it's again, I, when I, when in best ball, like where, you know, the stakes are low, the $5, the $25, Mm -hmm. I've done it because there's an overall contest, but you know, in the leagues where we're paying a hundred bucks or 300 bucks to do it, I haven't, uh, I haven't done it yet. And you talked about battle tested rankings. I mean, I love that term. We're going to start using that a little bit more. We will credit you. Uh, But I, I think I'm not the
1: one that created it. I just, I I popularized it. I forget who had the original, (laughs) but, uh,
2: yeah, well now it's yours. Now it's yours. Yay. When we talk about breakout players, I think that there's a really interesting um dichotomy going on with Trey Lance right now. Trey Lance, I think everybody understands he has the upside to to be a top five quarterback. The legs, he could be Jalen Hurts plus. Everyone likes Shanahan's system. But the guy hasn't played a lot of meaningless, uh, meaningful football over the last few seasons. He hasn't so, even played
1: meaningless football, Alan. I mean, he's played almost no football. Right. That's,
2: Go ahead. Yeah, no, you you said it right. There hasn't been. He's not battle tested, right? It's no. all it's all projection. So it's so easy to see Trey Lance being like QB 20 after the first six weeks of the season. It's like you, you wouldn't mm. even think that for Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts, if, it, if it's bad, is QB nine, right? So Trey Lance is a breakout player in a sense where he's being drafted right now by aggressive drafters as the QB eight, QB seven, and by you know, conservative draft is more like QB 12. I think in single quarterback yeah. leagues in single quarterback leagues, it's okay to be aggressive on him because mm-hmm. there's replacement level. You can always get Daniel Jones on the waiver wire or two later on in your draft, but in super flex leagues, where you have to take him in the middle of the second round, it's a dangerous pop proposition because once the draft is over, there's no more quarterbacks. That's it. It's over. All right, so take a look at the composite rankings and you can see
1: my opinion on Trey Lance. Um <laughs> just got there yeah. Yeah. Um uh, I I'll be the guy that lets somebody else gets that get that bargain. I've got him at 116. Mm-hmm. Um and I you know, we have other people had as high as 65. You know what? I'm I'm happy if I'm wrong about this cuz that means Debo Ayuk Mitchell Kittle, they all they're all going to eat. Uh, although Mitchell gets hurt a little bit by uh, you know Lance rushing for touchdowns, right. but I mean I don't. We saw two games with him starting last year. It's not good in either game. No, um, no. he has a hard time throwing. Now, he, there, I, I've seen this comparison made to Tim Tebow. Even Tim, Tim Tebow is way worse, I think, and he still finished like fantasy wise top ten QB because he ran so much. Now I don't know if Lance runs that much either. It was it was weird to me. They didn't install any packages late in the season for Lance to come in and he at least you know be a you know for, for like some weird third down plays or anything like that. He didn't come into the game at all. If Jimmy G was healthy, there was no Lance.
2: I mean, think about it. Trey Lance, six four, two hundred and twenty six pounds. Man, he he runs a he had about an eightieth percentile forty yard dash. I mean, he this guy could light it up. He just played at a small school competition. I mean, his number one wide receiver in college was Christian Watson, who was a popular riser during the pre-draft process as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was multiple years ago. It's, there's a lot of, you know, there's yellow flags. With it's Trey all Lance. faith-based. It's yes. all faith-based. But the good and... news is, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like in single quarterback leagues, I'm willing to take, I'm willing to pay for the breakout only because the replacement level is so it's in single quarterback leagues. There's, it's not going to kill you to find out. Lance barely but,
1: even played his last year
2: in college. Yeah. I mean, well, I, it was a COVID year. Then he didn't play. Yeah. yeah so
1: yeah, they held him out. Just in like, he's preparing for the draft. I mean, yeah, it could work,
2: but eh, I don't know. I'm just, he, he's a player worth. If you were making a breakout list and we're talking about quarterbacks, he needs to be on that list as someone that could break out.
1: Sure. Fine. That's fine.
2: My medium
1: breakout is a guy that was actually mentioned in the chat here earlier. And I'm going to, I'll bring it up there. Uh, I was asking who's the next version of this guy. Well, I think this guy's got another level, uh, and that's at tight end and that's Cole commit. Um, I, I, I'm a, I, I think Cole commit's going to be, yeah. Julia asked this. Uh, she goes, he made a leap of 50 plus targets last season. Who's this year's commit. This year's commit is is still commit. Uh, it's still him. Yeah. I, I like Cole commit a lot. I've got him at one Oh three in my rankings. That's high in our rankings. Uh, we talked about it. if I'm waiting on tight end, he's a he's a total target of mine. And target is the operative word. You know, he had 93 targets last year. I see him going to like 120. Because and this some of this is his own comp his own ability, a full year working with uh, uh with Justin Fields. It's also just a lack of other Allen Robinson's gone and they replaced him with Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry's banged up. They they, they replaced him with Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle's banged up. They were playing, you know. You get the point here. David Moore is hurt on this team, and that hurts them. I mean, they don't have a second receiver, Allen. You don't like him,
2: Quimius Saint Brown? Uh, no,
1: <laughs> I, I, he's a fine human being. I don't dislike him. I don't like him. I, I don't think he, I'm not afraid of him. Let's put it that way. He broke out, but he's going to break more. You know, yes, yeah. he broke out, but he's going up again. And you know, you're getting like I put him. Cole Komet's going to be in the same like Ertz Goddard level. That's where I think he lands in terms of production. And you're not yeah. having to pay that price. He and Friermuth are my favorite weight end and tight end candidates there. Uh, and then Hunter Henry's third. Nick, Nick Whalen and I talk about that all the time. But I I, I, I love Comet and Friermuth this year, and especially Comet because there's just an absence of other forces there. And I know the Bears stink on ice, and I know their offensive line's bad, and Fields is going to struggle. Even struggle bus teams still provide some production. Comet's going to get that production.
2: Okay, so uh, Cole Komet actually holds an NFL record, and this is credit to our friend Cardi- uh, Cody Carpentier, who was on our pod- my podcast uh, of the Road to Wire podcast. Um, Cole Komet holds the distinction of the most targets by an NFL tight end in the history of the NFL without a touchdown. He had zero touchdowns last year. Again, so- who
1: cares? So Kyle Pitts had one. The, are, we, are we throwing that against them? No, we're not.
2: Well, that's, um, this is a point for Cole commit. This is okay. good. Yeah. Okay. So like you're going to get that many, Oh, you're going to get that many uh targets you're going to get, Yes. you know, touch that. So I would say, even if the bears are a crappy offense, Cole Komet is, you know, he's got the upside to be the only red zone threat they have. Cause we all like Darnell Mooney, right? We, we do like him as a, you know, as a mid round receiver. Uh, but, he's not an end. He's not a red zone guy. <laughs> and you know, and David yeah. Montgomery is he's okay. Uh, Cole Komet is going, I mean, he's got the 10 touchdown upside plus more. So I think that that was ridiculous that he didn't get, he had zero touchdowns and he had a lot of targets Right. that has to regress. I love that pick every year. It's that one touch, uh, that one tight end that gets to the 10 touchdowns. that ends up as tight end five. Cole Kmet has better chance than anyone outside of the top 12.
1: There you go. All right, um, let's do a couple more. Let's go non-obvious. Who's your non-obvious breakout player? Alan Sosowski is going to give you the key. Your (laughs) league-winning (laughs) non-obvious breakout player right now. Listen up.
2: Uh, (laughs) So uh, I like uh, Paris Campbell, the uh, the wide receiver on Indianapolis Colts. We talked about him in a a couple different capacities. And Paris Campbell was a a high pedigree, a second-round draft pick. And when he was on the field, he looked great. You know, I mean, he, he looked dynamic and by all accounts, he is the number two wide receiver and he's going to be playing in the slot. Uh, I know the team did draft Alec Pierce to play outside. He's more of a speed guy on the outside. But Matt Ryan and Paris Campbell have showed some connection in camp. There's been good momentum. And the only problem with Paris Campbell is obviously he hasn't been able to stay healthy. All right. So. Mm-hmm you're paying a 15th round pick for Paris Campbell. I think I usually push him up to like the 14th or even more sometimes if I'm a little depleted at wide receiver, but it's everyone likes the Colts offense and there's no tight end to really take away targets in that part of the field. You could see a, you know, I, I, it's not that, Paris Campbell can win you the league, but I think this is if he is going to break out, it's all set up for him. And if he gets hurt again, it's basically over. He's going to be struggled to make an NFL roster once uh, once this contract is over. So Paris Campbell, he was he was thought of as, as a good receiver coming into the NFL. He played at Ohio State, drafted he's now, before
1: Terry McLaurin, his teammate.
2: Yep, there you go. And so I would say that he is he's a really good breakout cat. You should roster him if you're in a in a home league, a 16 round home league. He's a great 16th round pick.
1: Waylon and I were talking about uh, Campbell today because he's like, there are three teams where there's a massive ADP gap between wide receiver one and wide receiver two on that team. Colts, the Falcons, and uh, the Panthers. And the difference being is the Colts are actually supposed to be good. Right. Uh, And so you got to figure someone with Matt Ryan, a real NFL quarterback should raise his value. There's a 60 pick gap between Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Similar to like uh Drake London and Brian Edwards, uh one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Which one could it be? Um, or in Carolina where you have DJ Moore over Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. Um, you know, I, I think that uh and by the way, I like Terrace Marshall a lot. I think he can mm-hmm. play. Uh just I, I and Baker Mayfield's looking better and better in camp. So blah, blah, blah. I, I think that bodes well for Marshall. So I would, I would uh, he's a guy I'm rostering a lot, but Campbell. Yeah. I've, I've had, I've had my shares of Campbell in the past. The Colts, you know, we've never been able to see what Campbell can do. They, they don't ask much of him because he's never on the field. They never asked him to do like various routes. Chris Harris did a great uh, video on him like a year ago. And it's like, we don't know because they don't ask him to do much of the wide receiver tree yet, the route tree yet, but it, it could come because somebody is going to narrow that gap between, uh, you know, between Pittman and the rest, whether it's him, whether it's Alec Pierce, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, uh, the tight ends, you know, they have two of them there, but, uh, but no, no,
2: none I, that a good demand targets though. it's Mo Ali Cox and, you know, it's, that's, it's, I mean, not, drafted. Uh, yeah. I mean, Grayson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, these are, these are, he's a developmental guy. No one that's going to, if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, he should outproduce his ADP. He could be someone by like, you know, early October. We're like, oh, this guy is, he's, he's perfectly good to start every week as your third receiver. You know, six catches for 60 yards and maybe a little touchdown upside if he breaks one, seven catches for 50 yards, stuff like that. They're going to, they're going to hit him over the middle of the field. He does have some, some dynamic speed. He, you know what he's like? He's like an athletic golden tape. You know, I mean, it's okay. that type of player. I mean, it's not as he's obviously not as uh, built like an Ironman. I mean, Golden Tate was an Ironman until he wasn't. Um, so, yeah, that that's how I view him. And he's, again, one of one of the players I've pegged for a major breakout. How about you? Right. you got anybody that's a non-obvious? I got one
1: more. My non-obvious guy is Joshua Palmer on the uh, L.A. Chargers. I want to make sure it's pains not to say San Diego. <laughs> uh, third round pick last year. Came on late. Last six games of the year, he got more targets. Some of that was because Keenan Allen missed some time. I think Mike Williams missed one game due to COVID, too. So Palmer got more action there. Point is, though, Palmer actually delivered a little bit. Uh, when And he's like the clear front run over Guyton and others and the Chargers. So many other teams, we, we, we don't hesitate drafting three receivers from that team it's the chargers of course they can support three receivers i understand that you know eckler takes away some of the targets so maybe that's why you have some hesitation this is the shootout division everybody loves justin herbert uh everybody loves seeing those games against the chiefs and you know against the raiders i love josh palmer this year and uh, you know ball funny thing is i thought you know i thought i'd lo- i thought my love is pure and i look at our composite rankings and it's just middle of the pack among us in rankers. So everybody loves them, you know. And the thing is, we can, you can find enough targets to go around there. The tight end play isn't that great there. So I, I think that you're going to look at uh, Palmer is going to get increasing workload this year. I think he's great for bye weeks. I think he's, uh, you know, in
2: injuries inevitably strike. You can slide him in. Yeah, that one of the best things that you said about Palmer is look at the offense he's on, right? I mean, yeah. everyone uh, Justin Herbert, he's my QB too. I mean, and I would say if the, if we were taking out rushing stats, he he's arguably the QB1, right? If you're him mm-hmm. and Mahomes would be the QB1 or QB2 if we are just talking about passing stats. So, I like that. It's just, you know what's interesting is that the chargers between Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and potentially Josh Palmer, they're going to have like one of the slowest trios. They don't really have anybody to take the top off besides Jalen Guyton. So that would be my one concern, but Palmer Sure, so- I can see that. Yeah, Palmer's so much better than Guyton, but Guyton plays a role that Palmer can't and you're not taking the other two guys off the field. So I'm with you. I've been drafting Josh Palmer because he's a good football player on a great offense. But I just, again, the only concern, again, this is why you paying an 11th round pick for him is that if they, if they can't keep defenses honest, they are going to need to put Jalen Guyton out there for some plays.
1: Team four wides. Let's go. Guyton, yeah. go run, go routes. There you go. Um, yeah, just,
2: just run out the, uh, run the safeties off. Right. And he, exactly. and look, Jalen Guyton was good at that. He is a couple games that were not projectable that he did catch long passes from Herbert. Right.
1: I'm going to have a lot of, I'm going to have, I'm still going to have a lot of Palmer here this year. Let's do lightning round responses to some of the questions uh, sure. that we've had in the form. We had lots of feedback today. Appreciate you guys. I love this. Uh, Javier asked at the very beginning of the show, drafting from the 11th spot, usually going Swift and Kamara Barkley Adams. What do you guys think of that strategy? He's, he's scared of the running backs in the third and fourth round, especially at the end. You know, a lot of people talk about the running back dead zone. Um, and I get that. Um, I, I'm, I, I see it working well, especially if you just stack tons of wide receivers after that. I personally love the wide receivers a little bit more. Um, there, I'm I'm almost always taking like a Diggs with one of those two picks, Diggs or uh, CD Lamb, uh, maybe even Adams at that spot. But I can see this working. I, I saw it in the, like the NFFC draft that I was in. Both teams 11 and 12 like got early backs and just. Hounded the wide receivers after that. That can work. What do you think, Alan?
2: Yeah, there's two ways you could do it, and I can't say it much better than you did. But you know me, I push up Aaron Jones to that like 11th or 12th yes, we pick overall, so, right? Yes. So that's, but I, you know, so I'm taking two running backs there for the reason you said that you could just go wide receiver around uh, uh, three through six, three through seven. You're going to like all the options there. But if you don't, let's say you do go. Wide receiver, wide receiver. Let's say two guys fall that you like. You just named all the, the players that I think would be reasonable to be there. Mm-hmm. I am you know, don't mean to beat a dead horse or a very live horse, but Zeke's there for you if you wanted a, a number one running back at the end of the third round. So if you do go wide receiver, wide receiver, is a recommended strategy to take Zeke Elliott in the late third round because you have a running back that Jeff is likely to put as a top 12 running back in week one of his value meter. Against the Bucs, the hell I am. No (laughs) way am I going to be doing that. (laughs) It's again, it's Zeke. Is uh, I'm not saying he's got the league winning upside, but if you go wide receiver, wide receiver early, you have a player that you know is slated for you know a a number one role.
1: Zeke's a plug and play player. I'll give you that,
2: right? And Um, that's so that's the case to answer our his Javier's question. If you do go wide receiver, wide receiver, it's okay. Zeke is your life preserver in the third round.
1: I don't, I kind of like going one back and then you know getting that. You know, going and getting like Elijah Mitchell later, or going and getting someone, someone of that ilk later on, and you know, mixing and matching with the second running back spot. If I'm getting stud receivers, that's my preference. But it, if, it, there's more than one way to fry that fish.
2: Yeah, and if you get stuck and you're looking for running backs in round late, round five, round six, there's always you could always push up Chase Edmonds, Singletary, Rashad Penny. Those guys are the next guys that probably they have issues, but they have jobs. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that's that's fair. Um, Chewy
2: asked. <laughs> I'm laughing at one of the comments. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, which two receivers are a must have no matter what in fantasy leagues. Uh, I mean, that's
2: Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Smart <laughs> uh, uh, no. uh I would say just, I mean, Justin Jefferson's a must have, right? Like if you pick my number one, two
1: player overall. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. And if you, and if you get, if you draw one, one in the NFFC or format that has three receivers in a flex, I think it's defensible to take him at Mario one. I one. did
1: that. You- Mario Puig did that. He took Jefferson with the one point one. I took him with the one point two. Pretty happy with that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's certain guys I just love having, and you know, he's he's certainly one of them. I love getting I like love getting Higgins in the third, to be honest. Um That's a- still or chase in the first late mid mid first on chase or early third on uh Higgins. I'm very happy on both of those. It's wearing my Bengals hat there uh, real quick. But if uh, you
2: if you want a couple boring guys that I think are must drafts, I think Brandon cooks, if you get stuck at any time is one of the best wide receivers. He's always to take. there for you. Yeah. He's always there for you. And you know what, what do we know about Brandon cooks? Here's a thousand yards in one hand, here's six and a half touchdowns in the other, and there's upside for more. So he's, I, I you know, must draft is a little strong of a term for him, but he's a player that I mean, I find myself getting a lot of because it's a boring and it's a good pick. And you're you called out Alan Robinson in our last video. I think he's a must draft. I think I Alan, Robinson, Alan Robinson. yeah, you you're a, we titled the video reach for Robinson based on your pick. I think that's an absolute must leave in your must leave your draft in the fourth round with Alan Robinson. Crackshot says
1: was uh, reference to our earlier conversation about Javante Williams. That Russell Wilson's such a great deep ball thrower that's going to open things up for Javante Williams. I can buy that.
2: Oh, yeah. Anytime the, you push the linebackers back, or you can, you know, play action them. And Javante is a great tackle breaker anyway. If you know, it's just our question is is he going to have projectable volume week to week? And if what that volume is with Javante is either he's a second round pick or a third round pick.
1: Javier also asks, Are you high on Juju with Mahomes? A lot of news with him playing all over the place.
2: Do you want me to? Want me to take? Yeah, please, sure. please, Yeah, I, I'm very. High. Shirt, <laughs> I'm very high on Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster is—he's uh, already had the elite season. He's already been, it, it, you know, uh, a wide receiver one. There was a time in Dynasty, which is you know my first love, is that we were talking about Juju Smith Schuster as the one-one receiver, right? So he was so
1: young per level too. I mean, he ex- came out so young,
2: uh, and, and then he,
1: he just got screwed by bad quarterback play.
2: Yep, and then he operates. It seems like he operates best uh, across from a, a dominant pass catcher that the defense has to pay attention to. He's got that again with Travis Kelsey.
1: Julia asks, "What's your projection for Jerry Judy? He's never topped thousand yards nor hundred receiving yard- uh, receptions. Will he be close this year? Well, he got hurt last year. He he might have he might have been on that. I mean, it's only been two years. So, do you want to guess uh, what
2: his uh, DK uh, over under on yards is? I have it here. If you want to take a just uh, nine eighty five, at... it's 9.05.
1: Oh five, yeah. And do you want to guess
2: what you'd take over? I think I'd take the over. What do you? Just you. um, Well, remember injury. You you know, you're betting against injury too, and he hasn't stayed healthy yet. So if he misses three games for injury, now you're, you're betting on a. You know, when you bet overs, you're betting against injury. And yep. I, I'm not sure that's a great bet for Jerry Judy. I don't know. But Cortland Sutton's uh, number is exactly the same. It's 9.05. It may have changed. Well, last, yeah. And we're looking
1: at some of those props on uh, Monday's podcast with Waylon. And I noticed that the, the, the numbers seem low. And yeah, that makes a perfect sense that,
2: you know, your attrition does happen. Um, that's a good point. Um, Their catch totals on the DraftKings are 62 and 72. Judy's got the higher catch total.
1: Julia asked, based on your breakout definition, you're basing like, you know, guy that finishes strong. Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown is a superstar last six weeks of the season. Didn't take him in the Vegas uh, Super Flex League that we did, though. Uh, She's gotcha.
2: But, uh, you know, well, here, I have other I've, people are
1: drafting too, you know?
2: Yeah. And, <laughs> and what did we say? We said the last six weeks of production, right? But we also said what has changed? DeAndre Swift, who we like as a pass catcher, is back. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was out with an injury. TJ Hawkinson was out. We all expect him to be a high volume tight end. They add DJ Shark. I mean, they've added other pieces. I still like Amon Ross St. Brown, but if conditions were the same as last year, he'd be an early third round pick. He's already being priced in that everyone's coming back. You're getting him in the fifth or sixth round, I believe.
1: Kevin says, "How are we feeling about Joe Mixon's chances to lead the league in rushing this year?" I'm the Bengals guy, so I'll take this one. This is you. yeah, he's got a chance. I mean, they approved their offensive line. That can't hurt. Um, I think, you know, they, I just was reading today how Zach Taylor is a take what they give you sort of coach. Um, you know they're going to do more. Their Teams are going to scheme to stop Higgins and Chase after what happened last year a little bit more. By the way, Joe Burrow, he's not close to really practicing yet. Apparently, like, that surgery is a little more complicated uh, than, than people first thought, so... I, he'll be ready for week one, but it's less yeah. time to work with the full team. Maybe they're a little run heavy early on in the season, so just something about that. Another Bengals related comment: Tyler Boyd. Don't forget about him. Continuously overlooked on a champ, championship caliber team. Uh, I did take t- Tyler Boyd also in that Pete Jeff Erickson draft, and yes, uh, he, he's 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 a perfect bi week guy. He's just not. He's never going to be the top two options unless, of course, you know there's an injury there, which we're not going to root root for there. So uh, uh, there you and- go.
2: And, and I want to ask a question and pretend I'm in the chat. How about Hayden Hurst? Do you like him as if Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow? I mean, Hayden Hurst, you can get him as like tight end, like 28. I mean, sure. She's fine.
1: Second tight end of my roster. As long as he's not my starter. Fine. Okay. Clipboard Jesus. Come on. Come on, Al. tune in for one second. You mentioned <laughs> Zeke.
2: <laughs> Clipboard's a regular listener, so we appreciate him. So uh, he, he should know better. Yes um I have a bet going with Clipboard Jesus. By the way, we have total PPR points Zeke versus Javante Williams. You can guess which side I'm on. We're doing a we're and we're in a league together, so whoever loses has to pay the other guy's league entry fee next year.
1: Steak dinner, man. Raise the raise the ante a little. I, bit I
2: don't want to hang out with Clipboard Jesus in person. Oh, okay, All right. yeah. Fair <laughs>
1: Fair enough. All right, guys, this is awesome. Appreciate everybody chiming in on the comments here and listening in live. I really do appreciate it. Had a lot of fun today. Alan, thank you uh, for jumping in here. And uh, we'll, we'll be doing many, many videos collaborating together in the future too. So tune in for all that on YouTube and wherever you get our videos. So thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.